Hi everyone, this is episode 53 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz, and this is the second of a series we will be doing on Korean natural farming this year with Eric Weinert, and more episodes will be up over the next couple months intermittently with other content. Eric is currently heading back to Korea, and we will learn more from him when he returns. He is a Korean natural farming expert, author, and natural farming activist based out of Hawaii. On this episode, we discuss the history and future of Korean natural farming and the current state within the evolution of natural farming. Eric shares the challenges of farming and marketing produce in Hawaii, the economics of competing with mass-produced food products from the United States and elsewhere. He covers a bit of the history of Korean natural farming and the current research that exists, including bioenzymes and other new solutions that Eric is returning to Korea to learn more about. We talk about the movement of millennials back to farming and the opportunities that exist for young farmers in Hawaii with training specifically in Korean natural farming. Lastly, we discuss the economics of conventional farming versus natural farming over time. Follow the show at Get In My Garden on Instagram to see pictures of what we discuss here and hear about upcoming episodes. Also visit GetInMyGarden.com and make sure to sign up for the email list, which will include supplemental and special content or freebies, as well as articles and other interesting things I share with my close friends. I hope you'll subscribe to the Get In My Garden podcast wherever you listen from and leave a positive review if you want to support the show. It is a growing movement that you're, I would say, leading in Hawaii. Like if you're in the farmer's market and you're talking to different farmers, are most of them very familiar with natural farming or Korean natural farming? Now, nowadays, that if you say natural farming or Korean natural farming, everyone will say they're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Are people practicing it to like the the highest degree of it? I would say everyone has their own hybrid ways they've integrated this in and everyone's taken like something that's been hugely of benefit from this and utilized it. That's why everyone's familiar. Mm-hmm. And one one of the things is like, oh yeah, I know somebody who has a no smell pig. Yeah. Is it farming on Hawaii? It seems like people would kind of assume if they haven't been there that you just throw a seed in the ground and it's good to go because it's like healthy volcanic soil. But I'm assuming that that's actually not true at all. Farming in Hawaii is extremely challenging based on the the market, actually. You can find a various setup to grow anything. On the Kona side, there's deserts where you could put greenhouses and crank vegetables. On this side over here, abundant rain, you know, sugarcane, bananas, taro, all that does great. Puna, really fertile soil, jungles, you know. Uh, forestry. The island has it all. The whole issue is that, you know, I, I grow a hand of bananas and I can only sell it for $2. And any anytime I sit down and run a balance sheet, I find that I'm like working for about $2 an hour. Oh my God, because there's so many farmers, huh? Well, no, not, not that there's so many farmers. It's that, that it's cheaper to bring food in from America, you know, boats of food come here from, you know, just, just like they feed, you know, our, our lettuce comes from the Salinas Valley in California. Oh my God. Our bananas here come from Ecuador in Costco, you know? Oh my God. (laughs) So that's competing with my cost of production here. And then also, you know, the land, it's so much easier to develop the land and, and turn it into a housing and a condo than it is to produce food at that price here. Gotcha. 
that's kind of sad here, but um, as far as the, but the local farmers are still farming and they are using natural methods. What is the movement like as far as how it's kind of known and are like, is Korean natural farming? Do people say Korean natural farming? Yeah, we, we, yeah. Korean natural farming is, is kind of the roots, the origin, the kind of um, box, I guess, that, that these techniques, it gives you a way to kind of talk about this, a vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, I've kind of shortened it just down to KNF, you know, nod to the acknowledgement of this nine core recipes. And then also this stream of technology that's come from Korea, including like the, you know, there's like disgustingly cheap recipes. And then there's also now we've been working with gelatinase chitinase microbe. Huh. So there's these other ways like that, you know, ways to do it for pennies. And then this other hybrid technology that's coming over that I'm actually going to Korea next week, seven days from now and learning about this technology where it's cool. You brew microbes with, and you can use some chemical fertilizer in the brew. And it's a way that by the time you go to spray it, it's biologically activated so that you have all these bioenzymes and different things than just NPK, which chemical fertilizer went into the brew. Amazing. So that sounds like, so they're creating a direct solution to some of the pesticides that might exist within someone's yard, potentially. Yeah. A way, a way to, if that's, if I understand correctly. And it's a way to potentially like potentiate your fertilizer. I don't know if that's a word, but like mm-hmm. make it even more powerful. So cool. Because I've, I've constantly wondered like with all the mainstream pesticides or Roundup, things like that, that people have sprayed within their suburban yards, when when are we going to have a direct solution for that? It's going to be a natural solution that we can just apply. And it sounds like that that's what they're working on. Yeah. Or something that could approach that. Yep. And it, and we're, we're going to go do five days in Korea touring. You know, that's that's largely how we brought natural farming here to Hawaii. And then, you know, from here, it's it's moved into the English speaking world and, you know, through through the Internet largely. And then various people now are, are teaching, you know, all over the world in English. Mm-hmm. But it's these field trips that I, I, I went on and other other folks have gone on and, you know, witnessed this technology and then been like, hey, I think we can do this. Yeah. Well, and so in Korea, they've been, how long have they been working on this? There is that organization, the, what is the, Jadam or? That's, um, that's a newer offshoot of, that's kind of what I, what I consider kind of the disgustingly cheap microbes. Okay. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what else is in Korea? Uh, Well, so, so these roots came out of Korea. I mean, largely I went there 2008. That was my first trip. I brought my my video camera there and documented that those those tours are are still up which um at that point that was one of the high points of knf in korea actually uh-huh. they had a lot of political support at that time and it was largely all over korea and then i subsequently went back about i've, I've been there about eight times now and on my subsequent journeys, it had really more concentrated into Goksong County, which is down further south. Huh. And they had become kind of the national province that was leading the way for natural farming. And then there's two other provinces, uh, like Mu- where, where Muju is. That's not the name of the province, I don't think. And nearby there where they they don't call it 
Korean natural farming, they call it like eco agriculture. Okay. I or, guess yeah, you don't I mean, need to call it Korean natural farming over there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be kind of goofy. So but for them the whole the whole development is like they're they're super concerned about cancer and you know, they're also concerned that their wildlife is it's it's going away. So so these provinces that have taken the lead are eco agriculture. Wow. They're like, look, we we do we farm, we still make the production goals, but we also are bringing frogs back and fish back to the the rice ponds and stuff like this, you know. That's so awesome. Well, I've been to Asia a few times. I was in uh Japan for high school and you know, I know how Japan destroyed a lot of Korean wilderness during World War II and before. And so it's good to hear that they've taken on restoration because in Japan I would say that's probably not true they've they kind of fear nature still and you know even something like bokashi it's just like a small thing I don't think it's very widespread within Japan well in Korea in Korea it's not that widespread either I mean there's there's some pockets of it that are like doing extremely well mm-hmm. and and one of one of the things that they do have in Korea that makes it really easy for them is they have like mail service where a dude on a moped will pick things up and deliver it like that day. Uh, okay. You know, and anywhere in the country, not to say he rides his moped across the country, but they right. have this like this delivery service that is just like incredible. So I can go online and buy like strawberries the size of your fist and have those like delivered like by the evening for my wife to get home. Wow. And so they have, and and that's anywhere in the country coming from anywhere in the country, you know, small country, immaculate distribution system and that kind of stuff. And so natural farmers there are able to command a good price because they have this distribution system that they can access anywhere. Very interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that means. I mean, like, what do you see for the future of Hawaii with uh, the cheap you know, boatloads of food coming over. I, I see a trend towards folks wanting to eat more healthy food, you know, start starting with myself, people around, you know, you ask people, it's like, they want to eat good food. That's for sure. But, but health, I think is also, you know, people want to live healthy and they know food's important factor of that. Mm-hmm. And not, not to say that food that's imported from outside or is, is competitively cheap is not healthy. But I think that one of the factors we have here in Hawaii is that freshness contributes to our, our health of our food. Yeah. And, and the only way for us to get really, really fresh food is to get local production. And I also heard that there's a big pesticide problem. I don't know if that's still going on, but I mean, anywhere that's got beautiful resorts, you know, that are trying to keep these lawns going, you know, and whatever, you know, people with mansions they're not known for taking care of the environment they're known for destroying it and spraying shit all over it so i mean is that a concern in hawaii yeah totally and the seed companies operate here not on not on hawaii island but the other islands and they test things here and that that has its own set of concerns um but also you know if you walk into a hardware store here glyphosate products are on the front aisle you know marked down Mm -hmm. for you to walk out with five gallons of it and people use that 
you know, they'll buy one of those a year, maybe, or, you know, no, 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 I, I, I want to stay positive on this, but a lot of people go towards uh, those solutions. And I think there's biologically friendly replacements and more and more people, like a lot of the people doing natural farming here on Big Island uh-huh. are doing home gardens. Yeah. There's some folks farming, you know, some some 5, 10, 15 acre farms, and a lot of those are fruit tree orchards. You know, there's even a 700 acre farm that's a, a fruit tree orchard. It does go large scale, but but most of the people doing the farming, it's more home garden mm-hmm. and and that's and, and as farmers union, that's what we're trying to support is totally that family growing and then the only thing that we're really trying to add to that is a is a food hub and a distribution system to help people interchange their food a little better nice it's really interesting to hear because i'm involved in new mexico and understanding what it's like here and i feel that i mean every area's got some problems with distribution i'd say and i think it has mostly to do with the you know mass market produce that is available and it's just so much easier for people who are you know really busy in their lives to just go and pick up so i think that's hopefully evolving in hawaii is it kind of is it a popular place for millennials to go and farm land because there's definitely that movement going back to the earth you know a certain percentage of millennials are not interested in like participating in the modern economy in the same way and are going back to the earth. But I have the idea that Hawaii, at least I've heard that it's very expensive. So I also thought that uh, buying any food at the grocery store was expensive. So I kind of thought that it would have been cheaper to get local food, but also I wonder how expensive it is to get a piece of farmable land there. Yeah, that is, that is the other concern because the land prices are so extreme because Hawaii is so small and it's such a, you know, who, who doesn't want to live in Hawaii? Right. And yeah. So, so the prime land is, is very pricey and, and you're going to get a much better return putting a few condos on there than you are going to by, you know, trying to grow mango. Every state has a rural area. I mean, I'm guessing there are places that are less expensive, like inland maybe. How does that compare to elsewhere that you've seen? <laughs> I, I I don't know because I haven't I haven't shopped elsewhere. To talk to about the the millennials wanting to come here to Hawaii, I think Hawaii has now kind of established itself as a Korean natural farming hotspot. Yes, and there's there's many farms around offering trainings, and and so another one of the farmers unions goals. There's three of them, and the one of them is food hubs that I talked about. The second one is farm apprentice mentorship. And so what this is, is in my vision of it, what I'm aiming to do with my contributions into the into the leadership of Farmers Union is to help that on the big island where you can come and receive a basic training to to a certain level that that you need and that and those criteria still need to be established. Then you could go between different farm apprentice mentorship places and really get a a really in-depth farming experience here. That's great. It seems like a really perfect place and sounds like some good things are going on. 
I think there are so many people who would be interested in that. I actually had just got back from Washington, D.C. about two weeks ago. Oh, I saw I, the I, pictures you had with... with Tulsi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Madam President. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was... Um, so, we just, we just went up there to lobby, and I'm learning about this whole process of, you know, special interests and trying to get the special interests for the farmers. That's so great. How to go to our, our legislature and how to put programs like this on the forefront because to, to me, the return on investment here in Hawaii is that when this place produces local food that's nutrient dense and has a beautiful landscape, it's just, you know, the, the town is planted out and it's just an, a culture of health and wealth here mm-hmm. that it will be a tourist destination beyond what we, we kind of just exploit it today and go on this like history of Hawaii being um, why people want to go there. You know, it's kind of sad to think of in that way, like the, you know, the foundation of it with the history of how it ended up being part of the United States. And then the foundation of anything matters, you know, it affects the future so much. So hopefully that can be uh, adjusted yeah, and and there's a huge movement right now on the island for Aloha Aina, which Aloha is kind of r- roughly translated of love, and Aina is roughly translated as a land. And so this idea of loving our land and producing local food, and you know, more more than engaging in agriculture, for you know, it's it's to, it's to nourish the people, nourish the land. It's this this depth of it, you know. Um, and then that's that's emerging here, so it's 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 great to see and it's great to participate in. And I believe you know the indigenous microbes and it's a great integration. That's awesome. And I'm it's amazing that it came out of Korea. I just being having I mean, I don't know as much about Korea as I do about Japan, but it just seems like one of the last places I would have expected that only because they have such a focus on technology and the future and a lot of that it's more of an exploitative lens than it is like a natural lens. So I'm hoping that Korean natural farming can come back. You said that it kind of had peaked a little bit ago in Korea. Hopefully it will, your efforts there will help it in Korea as well. Yeah, no. And, and, and when I said it peaked, I meant, I meant in terms of the farms that I saw, I haven't, I haven't been back to those other farms to see. And also the roots kind of of Korean natural farming come from Japan. Okay. Three senseis were kind of studied there and then um, formulated by Master Cho kind of into Korean natural farming. I see. And he did this in the, the 60s, which was right when chemical ag was kind of hitting Korea. It's kind of right after the close of the Korean War in that era of industrialization of Korea. Mm -hmm. So the roots come from basically like, like synthetic agriculture came in and then there was natural agriculture there, like just, and then what, what happens with synthetic agriculture is like you, you get amazing bang for your buck. It's like, you know, doing, doing drugs, like they're great right at first. Right. (laughs) And so, so you can't really argue, you know, it's like, it's, if, if we wanted to lift something and it's like, I'm trying to lift it or, or then it's me on meth trying to lift it, like <laughs> me on meth's going to lift it better. 
but yep. just continue that timeline for a certain amount of time. And right now we're, we're, you know, 50 years in from that decision, uh, you know, 60 years in from that decision to go the chemical way. And at age 60 on meth, you, you recognize the, the degradation type of thing. So maybe it's, even sooner than that. <laughs> right, right, right. Sooner, right. Yeah. sooner, sooner than that. Right. I mean, yeah. They, they switch to harder drugs or whatever, you know, um, that's to say like the, the only thing that needs to be done is the biology needs to be reestablished. Like if you, if you could rebuild your body and then do meth, then it's like, you know, what's the detriment to it? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, but if you're doing meth and it's de- deteriorating your body, that's the part where it's like, oh, well, well, that's not good. And so, so what natural farming does is it enables you to regenerate the body so that if you want to continue to do meth, you could, but it's, but, but at a certain point, you're going to, you may realize that I, I don't know. I mean, you may, you talked about the spiritual aspects of the earth and these other things. I, I think there's a balance, really. Well, I, I think of it as, uh, it's part of our human nature, whether someone even calls themselves spiritual or not, putting our hands in the earth, it, it's just like a one small thing that kind of affects every part of your life in some small way, and then it kind of plants seeds in other parts of your life so that you can transform the world. Because if we're just doing one tiny thing and everything else is toxic, then it's such a fundamental thing that, and it's such a human thing that it can affect us in such a broader way. Well, well, not natural farming and Korean natural farming offers a holistic lifestyle. And I think that's, that's important for integration. Yeah. And f- for mainstreamization and. Well, and, and long, long-term production because, you know, also, also we hit peak phosphorus or, you know, what, uh, peak rock, rock phosphate, I think. In 50, we already hit it or we're about to hit it? I, I don't know. They always cite that. I always think, you know, it's like, yeah, you just can't grind up the earth forever and continue to use it without regenerating it. It just seems, right. that seems natural to me. <laughs> I think that we have in, uh, you know, traditional ways we were running out of it. And I, I mean, it's kind of the thing about economics. A lot of people don't want to admit that economics is like it really is real because if you if if we run out of those resources that we had for so such a cheap price then everything else costs more money and then the natural farming the economics of that might improve and that would be a positive thing that's that's totally the the economics of natural farming you get richer and richer year after year where i don't know if other systems provide that and that's that's one of the benefits like like if you're gathering imos from your land and then you're natural farming and building that biology and then you gather the imos again next year they're going to be a stronger richer more you know well adapted colony to growing that's awesome it's it's the definition of sustainability yeah 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 great well thank you so much yeah thank you I hope the Get In My Garden podcast has inspired you to continue your learning, to continue your hobbies, projects, and businesses related to natural farming, hydro and aquaponics, bees and pollinator insects, fungi and mycology, soil and the soil food web, microbes, plants, and however you are involved in entertaining yourself in a way that benefits the earth and our future. And again, follow the show at Get In My Garden on Instagram to see pictures of what we discuss here and to hear about upcoming episodes. 
Also visit getinmygarden.com and make sure to sign up for the email list, which will soon include supplemental and special content or freebies from our guests, as well as articles or interesting things I share with my close friends. Next week, we will have great insightful information from a New Mexico State farming and pest management researcher, then an interview about high CBD cannabis growing and breeding. I hope you'll subscribe to the Get In My Garden podcast wherever you listen from and leave a positive review if you want to support the show. 